Welcome to the Psychotherapy Central podcast where we discuss love, attachment and healing from trauma. A place where you can gain the knowledge, tools and wisdom to help you build secure, flourishing relationships. I'm your host, clinical psychotherapist and couples therapist, Jennifer Newrick. Hello and welcome to episode 17 where we're going to be discussing EMDR therapy that stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing and that's why they put it into a shorter acronym. The reason that I really wanted to come on and talk to you about this is that it's one of the four treatment pillars of my private practice and with my clients I use what's worked on me. And I found EMDR to be incredibly effective for working with traumatic memories, which is what it was developed to to work with. Although it's used now for the treatment of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, phobias, anxiety issues, social anxiety, um, test anxiety. I've linked some of the research around this into the show notes. Dermatological disorders. Um, which I love because it kind of just shows how interconnected healing is. It's also been shown to be helpful through the research in pain management and also stress reduction. It was created by someone called Francine Shapiro in the 80s and yeah, has been widely researched and it's actually one of the first line treatments for PTSD in the guidelines published by organizations like the World Health Organization and the American Psychological Association. And those kinds of organizations like the research, they like to have research-based treatment plans. Um, So it just works. And there's different ideas around why it works, but we'll touch on that later. Before we go any further, I really wanted to share with you a story from my own experience of being a client with EMDR. And this is a story from my training as an EMDR therapist. So as part of that training, we were asked to choose an event that had some some energy in it, some difficult, distressing energy in it, but nothing too distressing, I guess, because we're in a classroom environment doing pair work and we don't want to touch on really big trauma histories. So I brought in an event from high school when I had to read a portion from the Bible in front of the whole school. And I remember being up on the stage and being terrified. So nothing else happened. It was just my fear of public speaking. I mean, I I think that I did it okay at the time. I don't really remember because I probably blocked the whole thing out. I just remember feeling terrified. So that was the traumatic scene that I worked with because it's kind of not super, super traumatic, but there's definitely energy in there. And so we were working in pairs and I did a set of bilateral eye movements, which is where you follow the therapist's fingers from right to left. Sometimes they'll have a device that moves from right to left and you follow them, you follow that movement, um, keeping the head still, the eyes moving right to left, right to left about 25 times and then she asked me what I was noticing. I felt kind of sick in my stomach. Um, I could see the other people on the stage. I think there was the headmistress and the 
priests that was kind of associated with the school and maybe a couple of other teachers on the sitting on the stage. Um, and then we did another set of the eye movements. And then in the, so it was kind of 50% of my awareness at that time was in the room with, in the, you know, training room with the, um, my colleague. And about 50% of me was kind of remembering this memory. And I could see the texts, the text, the letters on the page moving around. Um, so it's kind of like I couldn't make sense of it. It didn't flow. And then maybe that's because it was kind of written in the old biblical style. I'm not sure, but that's what I saw in the memory. Then we did another set of the eye movements. And after that set, it was so odd and so unexpected. Suddenly, the text changed from a passage from the Bible to a passage from The Wind and the Willows, which is a famous British fairy tale. And then we did another set of eye movements. And then suddenly I was reading about this fairy tale. And as I'm reading in, the, in my memory, I'm, I'm animated and I'm, I'm, you know, talking like the, the um, toad and then I'm talking like the badger and, and it was engaging and I felt there was a flow in what I was saying and, and the whole scene completely changed. That was a completely unexpected experience for me. I never thought, I hadn't even thought about the Wind and the Willows fairy tale for many years. I don't ever remember reading that out in public. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't, I'm not sure. But there was something about in that scene, my, it, the trauma memory was able to connect with other experiences that I'd had to completely shift that scene. And I had that training quite a long time ago. And when I think about that scene of me on the stage, having to read from this, from that passage, even now, I can't think, I don't feel the nausea in my stomach. I don't feel any terror or panic. And it feels when I'm in the memory, like I'm about to read from the Wind and the Willows fairy tale and quite enjoy doing it. So let's move on now to what is EMDR therapy and then we're going to run through what kind of what a, a therapy session might look like. So in EMDR their idea of traumatic memory and how that works comes from Shapiro's adaptive information processing model called AIP for short and the idea is that trauma memories get kind of frozen in time in their own neural network and they're kind of separate and unable to connect with other memory networks that might hold information that would help you resolve the traumatic memory. So in my case, it might've been other memories of times when I did speak in a group and did it really well, where I was really enthusiastic, where I could read really clearly. So that tra traumatic memory for me wasn't able to link up with all the adaptive memories. So when we process using EMDR, those two networks can link up and resolve the original trauma. It's like bits of information from over here that has the adaptive information can kind of reach over here as this kind of might soften. So PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, is when a current trigger, so kind of an event or a thought, sets off an old memory network, 
which activate which activates responses that might have been helpful at the time of the trauma but that are not so helpful when you're in the middle of a conflict with your partner and that's what a, a flashback or a, a trigger a trigger is so ultimately we want these trauma memories to be assimilated into adaptive neural networks another helpful analogy is to think of the brain like a river and of course there are many traumas many traumas of everyday living that we'll experience and we have this river kind of flowing through and carrying all the adaptive information and experiences as they happen and so it's like a twig falling into the river but they get carried away on the water so these little twigs these little mini traumas fall in and they get swept along now, someone who hasn't experienced much trauma, they might experience, for example, a car accident and maybe they'll have some disturbed sleep and maybe some intrusive flashbacks for a few weeks and then recover. And that's the brain naturally processing the trauma. For someone else in a different situation, the trauma might happen, the trauma that happens might be kind of like a huge log being dumped in their river. And there isn't enough force in the adaptive memory flow of the river to move that log and let it flow down the river. And then once that log is in, all the, the mini traumas that then happen can't flow through properly either. And they, those twigs get kind of piled up and then it catches the leaves and then there becomes kind of a blockage, which we think of as like a neural, like a network, a neural network. So how does... EMDR work. So it's where the trauma memory gets reactivated and we use a bilateral stimulation. I've talked about the eye movements left to right, but we can also do left, right tapping of the knees, left, right stamping of the feet. So anything that is a left, right stimulation will help to reactivate while we have, while we have that memory um, while we're ac accessing it consciously, we have that memory kind of, I call it online. We bring that memory online and then we have the bilateral stimulation, whichever one we're choosing. So it help, as we're doing that bilateral stimulation, it helps to create new neural pathways to link that isolated trauma event to more adaptive networks. And the best explanation I've heard for this is to do with REM sleep. So the idea here is that the eye movements allow for a synchronization of all the brain activity at a frequency in the delta range, like slow wave sleep. And then three things often happen. Firstly, the memory begins to feel less vivid and starts to feel like it's in the past rather than in the present. And people's minds will do this in different ways. I've seen, I've heard some people say, Jen, it's like it's, it's all a cartoon and my dad's this cartoon character and he just looks ridiculous. <laughs> um, second thing that might happen is often the emotional distress starts to decrease. And we measure that as we go through something called subjective units of disturbance. And we just measure it zero to 10, with 10 being incredibly disturbing. We take a reading at the beginning and we take a reading at several different points through the process, just to see how is the emotional distress moving. And the third thing that often happens is 
there'll be an increase in positive thoughts about the self now and in the old memory. So as those adaptive um, networks start to feed into the trauma memory or they start to meet in the midway, we start to grow more positive thoughts in that old memory. Okay. So let's run through a session so that you can get a feel for it. So first up, we'll do some history taking. So we look at trauma history and also kind of what resources you already have. So you might already be doing some yoga and some meditation and have a strong friendship group around you. So in therapy speak, we call those all resources. And as part of the preparation phase, we will kind of explain what EMDR is, um, find a safe place internally, and set up some kind of safety and trust between us and also in the process. And then together we'll decide on a target memory to process. And usually that's a scene, like I was describing on the stage, that was my target memory to process. And we kind of keep that online. So for this example, we'll use a car accident. And maybe the scene you're remembering is one um, where you open your eyes after the car accident and you see that your sister's unconscious next to you and you feel panic and a lot of tension in your arms. So note that for EMDR, you don't have to share the memory with the, your therapist. It's just as effective without. I've seen amazing things happen when the memory has not been shared, where you just hold it. So again, like I said about subjective units of disturbance, we measure how disturbing it is, zero to 10 at the beginning, just so we know as we go through how well the memory is processing. So let's say at the beginning, it's a nine out of 10 distressing, and I immediately become teary. And then we get clear about what is the negative belief about yourself that is anchored and linked into that memory. So let's just say in the scene, it's I'm powerless. Then we'll also think about what would I like to believe about myself in that memory? And so for this one, it might be I'm in control. Then we'll explore the emotions that go with that memory. We'll explore any felt sensations that go with that memory. And then we do what I call kind of bring it all online, that negative belief, the image, the um, bodily felt sensations and the feelings. And then we start what's called the desensitization phase, which looks like you sitting in a chair, a couple of meters away from your therapist and the therapist will be moving their fingers right to left. And you'll just keep your head still and you'll just follow their finger right to left, right to left, while you kind of keep that memory online. So part of you is in this safe space with your therapist, with me, and part of your mind is in that memory, okay? And as your brain starts to kind of drop into that slow wave sleep state. And as we do this, different things can happen. You might notice that the original image starts to get fuzzier, starts to feel more distant, you might notice that, oh, now my sister has her eyes open, so you know that she's alive. That might bring with it a big oh, sense of relief and exhalation. You might feel discomfort in different parts of your body. So through this desensitization phase, we really let the brain do whatever it needs to do. We really remember that it's the brain just doing its thing. 
it's kind of the brain um, letting that water start to flow through gradually where that log has landed. So you might feel a lot of physical sensations, you might feel very teary, I might feel a lot of anger, and we just really allow these things to arise and move through. And it's very much like the, the water coming in and out on a beach, that yes, emotions will come and they will also subside through the process. So we really invite that to happen because these traumatic memories often have a lot of strong emotion um, linked in with them that needs to come through safely and we just trust that the energy of the event is being released in exactly the way that it needs to be. Now as you do this you might find that you suddenly move from being in the car just after the accident to another scene of feeling powerless. Maybe you're being pinned down by your brother and he's laughing at you. Now, if we jump to other disturbing memories, depending on how disturbing they are, and we'll measure it, we might process through that memory. But if suddenly you jump to another scene of powerlessness, which is, in, which is extremely, um, has a lot of charge in it, then what we might do is put that somewhere safe until we can focus on it in another session and give it the time and care that it needs. So it's quite common that we'll jump around, especially with scenes and memories that have a similar flavor to them. That's really common. When we finish, the disturbance might be much reduced. That's really common in my experience. And the image might be completely changed. It might be that you're left with this image of being at home, safe in bed a few days after the accident. It could be that the original image is really hard to think of. You kind of can't get it again. I've had lots of people say that to me. It could be like in my image where I'm doing something completely different. I'm reading a completely different text. So we just allow the brain to resolve it in whatever way it needs to resolve. So it's very honoring of the client's natural healing resources and the way the psyche wants to heal, which I'm guessing the psyche probably does in REM sleep, that it just sort of jumps around, has experiences, processes things through in the way that it needs to. So after the desensitization phase, we move into integration. And this is where memories from other memory networks come into the previously isolated network. And it might be that you suddenly remember opening the car door after the accident and feeling a sense of control. Okay, I'm out and I can open the door. It might be losing your passport overseas and sorting that out and, and feeling a sense of agency and control. So you might find that these kind of positive memories just start flooding in quite randomly sometimes um, and connecting in with that previously disconnected trauma memory. I've seen amazing shifts happen in sessions where the distress level to start was a 10 out of 10. I've seen them move to a zero out of 10. And often the experience is still remembered, but the charge, that fight, flight, freeze response, that panic from the original event is either very, very low or completely gone. I hope that's given you a good overview of what, what an EMDR therapy session feels like. 
I can almost hear some of you saying, okay, so how long is the session? How many would I need? So an EMDR therapy session typically lasts from 60 to 90 minutes. There's lots of variation in treatment length. In, in trials, there have been great results from 12 sessions. Remembering that everybody is different. Our trauma histories are really different. So it is very difficult to say you'll need X number to get rid of this. But I will say that I have seen really amazing things happen and um, even in less than those 12 sessions. But yeah, the research shows 12 sessions, really amazing things can happen. Um, and when looking for a therapist, look for somebody who has done um, level one and two and consultation, and that's called basic training. So look at someone who's completed basic training, level one and two and consultation. So key points from this episode are what trauma is through an EMDR lens, how EMDR works. We've run through the eight stages of treatment, how long an EMDR session is, how many you would need. And we've also explored a couple of different examples of what working with a, a traumatic memory might look, sound and feel like. So EMDR is a core part of my practice that I do with my clients. If you would like to work with me, head over to my website, psychotherapycentral.health and book a session. For me, working one-on-one -on -one is a very core part of my teaching work. So I love seeing my clients and working in that way, as well as with the podcasts and, and the other work that I do. I have global insurance, so I can work with um, people globally, including in North America. And if you like what you've heard today, please take a moment to write a review. So give me the stars that you feel appropriate and write a review. Really helps to just spread the information I think so many people need to hear about these different modalities. It can be very helpful. So the show notes for today will be available as always on my website, psychotherapycentral.health, where you'll also find my free course on breaking relationship cycles and my other offerings. So thank you so much for spending this time with me. I really appreciate it. And wherever you are, wherever you are in your life, Thank you for being here and being part of this community and for being on this healing journey because every healing that we do, every piece of work we do on ourselves has a ripple effect out into the universe. I really believe that in my heart. So thank you for being here. Thank you for joining me on this episode. If you want to learn more about all things love, attachment and trauma, I'd love to connect with you on Instagram at psychotherapy.central or visit my website at psychotherapycentral.health. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd greatly appreciate it if you could leave a review and a five-star rating. Your support means a lot, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon.